I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. We're so excited for you to hear this episode because this week we have such a wise, talented nutritionist to share with you, and she drops so much incredible information. Amy and I, we were reminded of a lot, we learned a lot, and I, I'm really proud of this show, and I'm so excited for our listeners to hear this one, Amy. Yeah, this was a good one. So much wisdom was shared by Lisa. And before we get to that, we just wanted to take a moment to let you know that we're going to be taking three weeks off from the Radiant Warrior podcast. And we don't do that easily. We don't take this labor of love for granted. It's absolutely something that we love and we're so committed to it. But the reality is sometimes life happens. Yeah. And we need to honor that. We need to practice what we preach. We need to walk our talk, which is that if so much is coming up, We don't want to fall into burnout just to make sure we're doing everything. So the truth is, if you listen to the last couple of podcasts, uh, at this airing, I will have been in France for two days. So we're recording this a couple of days before I leave, and I won't be returning until mid-June. And then as you've been sharing, you're going to be birthing an entire new business that is also starting in a couple of weeks. Yeah, adventures for both of us. Absolutely. So we're going to honor ourselves and give ourselves the time to take those adventures and be as present as possible with those adventures. But we look forward to coming up in mid-June, being back with you, and we'll have so much to share. We have a lot of wonderful new guests on the books to share with you. And as always, please stay in touch. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at The Radiant Warrior Podcast. You can join our private Facebook group. Just ask to be invited to The Radiant Warrior Community. And we so appreciate all of you that have subscribed to this podcast and that take the time to review. We're learning that it's really important, actually. It helps other people find us if you're taking the time to review us on iTunes and taking the time to subscribe to us. We are so grateful for those of you who've done it. Yes. Thank you so much. One of my favorite things about the medium of podcasting is we get the opportunity to introduce to many people, practitioners and experts and thought leaders and teachers that are very well known and successful in their own areas. And one of those wonderful teachers and practitioners that Amy and I would like to share with you today is an experienced, wise, and no bullshit, real world, holistic nutritionist, Lisa Kilgore. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks so much, Lisa. That was a lovely introduction. (laughs) That could be on the new business cards, maybe. I think so. I think you've nailed it. (laughs) So by way of continuing to introduce you, I want to share with Amy 
how I've come to know you because I haven't yet because Amy and I live in this real world. We are, we have a lot going on and often we don't get to talk unless it's this podcast. Yeah. I look forward every week to the opportunity to talk with you because I don't get to that often. I know. I know. This is the answer to busy women. If you want to make sure to stay in touch with your friends, maybe you need to commit to something like a podcast. (laughs) I've mentioned on this show before that before moving back to Vancouver, I lived in this really beautiful area of British Columbia called the Okanagan Valley. And there's a really beautiful chain of organic grocery stores there called Nature's Fair. And I would go in there several times a week and I would often see ads and pictures of holistic nutritionist Lisa Kilgore. And I made a note of her and I would see those pictures of her and advertisements about her and that she would be there offering free talks and workshops so often that she became very recognizable to me. And recently I started working with a client that I wanted to set up with a nutritionist. And so I asked around and right away, her name came up, Lisa Kilgore. And I was like, absolutely, that's who I need to call. And it turned out to be a perfect fit. And actually Lisa and I have now connected on a deeper level. We've worked together and we'll share later on in this podcast how we are going to continue to work together. So thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest here on The Radiant Warrior, Lisa. I'm so happy to be here because I'm a big fan of your podcast. I love the message and just the feel. My first time listening to your podcast, I was like, yep, this is what I like to hear. This is is my, my jam. And so I'm very, very happy to be here. So Lisa, can you tell us what you learned about food? growing up. Share with us about your journey. My journey was never a straight line. Um, I grew up like most kids in Canada. I ate Fruit Loops and Skippy peanut butter and processed food. Like My parents fed, fed us fairly well, but of course there's always junk food in the house. And that just got worse and worse as I moved out on my own in my, in my early 20s. And when I was in school and university, I was a music student. I was a performance music student. And while I didn't know it then, my diet was severely impacting my ability to play. I was dealing with uncontrolled, mild but uncontrolled asthma. I had nerve damage on both my arms, tendonitis in both my thumbs, and I was so foggy I'd forget what day of the week it was and where I was going. And I went from doctor to doctor trying to figure out some solution to any of those problems. Like I I was open to just like solve one of these and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. And um, they said I was perfectly healthy, that my lung power was fine. And I said, but I'm a flute player. I need some serious air and there's something really wrong here. It wasn't until I left school and um, started working in the wellness industry that I started learning the powers of diet. That And the very first thing I did, the very little tiny step I took into the world of nutrition helped control my asthma, it turned my brain back on, and I felt significantly better. And I had a huge result from a very small change. And that opened my eyes to the power of food and nutrition. And I stayed working for that company for a while while going to school at night for holistic nutrition. And I graduated in 2007 and moved, I was living in Toronto at the time, and I moved to British Columbia in the 
fall of 2008. And so since then, I'm in uh, 10 years in, I've been all, all I do is nutrition um, and it's so wonderful. And I'm able to teach these skills that I learned um, kind of by trial by error on how to shift a very processed diet to one with whole foods in a body and a mind that's incredibly stubborn, which is mine. <laughs> and, and to do it as easily and gently as possible. And I found that doing it easily and gently in ways that I that felt 100% doable was doable and allowed me to change. And I would I knew that I had to do some big cleanse. Like everybody kept saying I needed to do a candida cleanse. And I, I, I know they were right. But I looked at it for years without ever trying it because it seemed so difficult but I was able to even get my candida under control and my gut bacteria in balance with these small changes without ever doing more than a week on a cleanse. And that was just to support a friend. And today I eat the way you would expect a holistic nutritionist to eat. I don't try very hard at it. Um, it's just a part of my life. And it's what I, I teach day in and day out is how to do this too, how, how we all can eat uh, and feel better in a way that works in our life and works in our lifestyle and is enjoyable. And that's the most important thing that there's joy in food. And that's really missing right now. And it's a big frustration on my mind. So I have a great passion of teaching food and nutrition. But more than that, it's, it's how to eat to make you feel good and how to know how to eat so your body is happy. Oh, I'm so excited about this conversation. Let's start with a couple of mentions that you made of small changes. Can you be a little bit more specific of some of the small changes that you first started to make and you noticed a difference? Well, the very first thing I did uh, was actually not food-based technically. It was a green food supplement. And I'm all about food. Let's use food first. But sometimes a supplement can be a nice bridge. And this was a whole food supplement. And my body was so lacking in vegetables and nutrition and chlorophyll that that was enough to turn my brain back on. And that was how deficient my diet had been for so long. And it changed my taste buds. So then I started liking green things. And to this day, the, the taste of green vegetables and green drinks and green juices is all I want. Uh, if I have a smoothie, I get some wheatgrass thrown in. And if you'd seen 20-year-old me, you'd be shocked that that is 40-something me. But it's, it just, it, my body connected this great feeling with this color. And it's created this easy, gentle drive that I put kale in my, my lunch this morning uh, because that's what I was in the mood for. So that was my very first change. Um, and then I started slowly tackling my diet. I started adding a piece of fruit or two in, in my day. I started buying fruit, to be honest. Um, I started buying vegetables and making them once or twice a week. Um, and a big one that I tackled at the very beginning was switching my sweetened Skippy peanut butter over to something more natural. And it was something that I tried years earlier because I knew I had a big blood sugar problem and I just felt that, that the peanut butter might be an issue and I was just miserable. I hated it. So this time I needed to do it in a nicer way. And it took me about six months of this is what I'm doing. And I, I only feel comfortable doing this one thing. Uh, but to this day, I love natural peanut butter and it's a favorite food of mine. And so it, I was able to create this change in such a gentle way that even these really big struggles, these really hard things that I had tried um, earlier became easy. I love how you talk about these changes that you made in such a sustainable way, like making very small changes 
that are sustainable, not doing things that are very radical or invasive or super restrictive, but the way you speak about it, it's just this loving, kind way of eating. It really is. And I am always frustrated by new, new diet fads because they make it seem like the only way to be healthy is to do something drastic, to only eat these foods and never eat anything you enjoy ever again. When the real truth is, and real life healthy eating is actually adding healthy food and it will squish out some of the stuff. Um, but when you always allow yourself to have what you want and to be able to enjoy it. You, you need it less, you uh, enjoy it more, and you, you develop a blissfulness in what you're eating. You, you, it really develops a, a great joy. So if I want chocolate cake, one of my very favorite foods, I order it, I enjoy it, um, and I, but I really taste and savor every single bite. And I've noticed that it stops tasting good after three or four bites. The first two or three are bliss, and the second, the third and fourth are pretty darn good. And then my blood sugar is saying, I've had enough. And that's fine. And I'm done eating. And it's all about really responding to what your body wants and actually being there without guilt to have that treat. That is such a hard thing for us to do. But when we're able to, we don't need to eat as much. And that craving is fully satisfied. I love that you use the example of chocolate cake because Lisa and I have used that specific example on this podcast, I believe multiple times because we both love chocolate cake. There's just nothing better than a chocolate lava cake. It's <laughs> heaven. And you and Amy are so aligned in that it's not necessarily what you're eating, but how you're eating. And that's definitely one of my journeys in life is well, we've worked together a little bit now, so I'll, I'll share this because it might be helpful. And that there's a lot of stress around food for me because all of the information that's out there and because of wanting to get it right and do the right thing by my body because I felt like for years I didn't. And so if I am allowing myself to um, indulge in something that I've read is bad for me, especially if it contains sugar. You know, I know that the feelings that I'm having are not helpful. So what would you wish when it comes to what a woman or anyone who's sitting down to enjoy food, what would be your wish of how they would be thinking and how they would be feeling? Oh, I'm so glad we're talking about this because how you feel, how you're feeling when you're eating something quote unquote bad is an absolutely common feeling. Uh, it's a feeling that most women have, especially who have made a health journey of their own. What I wish is to bring back that joy uh, and just feel a bit more control in it of that I can have this and my body will still be healthy. Because there are a few things I know 100% to be true, but one that I do know is that we don't need to be perfect for our body to be healthy. That feeding and fueling your body well is important for our health and our longevity, but so is joy and it's just as important. And so when you're generally eating well, that piece of chocolate cake isn't going to be a big problem, but it's very hard to quiet your brain and your thinky brain uh, full of all of those thoughts and words and judgments um, is really trying to protect you. It's trying to keep you healthy, but it doesn't quite know it's not the full 
important part to listen to. Your thinky brain is simply taking in all of the information in the world and attempting to make some judgment of that. But our body really knows. And so my wish is for all of us to be able to really reconnect uh, with what our body feels, to um, be able to taste something and say, does my body light up when I eat this? And to be able to see that a healthy food and a quote unquote bad food can have different effects in the body. Um, and sometimes the quote unquote bad food is actually more healing for your body than the healthy one. There are many times when a salad is quite harmful uh, and, is, and your body will let you know that that is quite harmful. And we just need to tune into that and we need to listen to it. And when we do, it, it, the food world makes so much more sense. And it's no longer a day-to-day -day question of what is good for me and what is bad for me. You just know. And that's, it's just such a lovely feeling. I'm just sitting here nodding my head the whole time you're speaking about listening to the body. And sometimes a salad can be harmful. And the, you're just speaking right to my soul of Ayurveda, really tapping into the wisdom of the body and honoring what each individual needs as opposed to what the collective thinks that they need. Absolutely. And that's why I love Ayurveda. Veda. Um, I use it myself and I use it mildly in my practice. And what I love about it is that nothing is good and nothing is bad. It's all about balance. And that for certain people, the taste of sweet is really important. And it's a lesson that I find myself teaching often because sweet and carbohydrates and, and any, any type of sugar, including fruit sugar, has been vilified. And some of us need it. Some of us need it to feel balanced and our body is going to continually ask for it until we give it to it. And uh, I love that Ayurvedic uh, medicine really shines a light on our own constitution and can, can be, be that beginning step or that long-term step in learning what your body needs and wants. I'm definitely one of these, one of those people that has a body that is calling for sugar and with conversations like this with you, I'm helping myself unlearn, as you say, the vilification of sugar and the guilt and shame that I'll feel if I will take part in it. So what I'm hearing is the practices that allow us to just take a couple of breaths and get really present with our bodies is essential around mealtime. And this is such a good reminder for me because of course I know this, Amy and I are teaching this. And then I think about the last month of my life and how busy it's been and the family's been busy and sometimes we've been eating, standing up at the kitchen counter. How can we remind ourselves? You know, what, what, what tools do you offer your clients when it comes to tuning into what the body is saying before we eat and while we're eating, while we're chewing, while we're tasting? Well, there's a few little, little tips and tricks that can really work. And one of them is when life is busy, especially if there's a short duration, it's okay to have those not so great habits because the guilt of them is so much worse than actually doing them. Especially when you know that you that, um, coming soon is a time to relax. And as long as it's not a regular every day, this is how I live my life habit, it's, it's okay. Then as a day-to-day -day, um, practice, it's looking at what are you eating? How do you like it? How does it feel while you eat it? 
and then look forward and say, how do, how do I feel now? And it's, it's this practice of connecting all of your meals together because frequently we don't remember what we ate for breakfast. So it's very hard to connect that to how you feel mid-afternoon. But breakfast plays a huge role in how you feel in the mid-afternoon. So sometimes it's just a practice of a week or two. It doesn't take very long of just even writing things down if that's a way for you to connect. Um, I'm not very good at writing things down. So instead I just make a mental note and just say, okay, which breakfast and which lunch keep me fueled until mid-afternoon? Which ones keep me thinking clearly? Which ones instead make me struggle and feel hungry and tired? And the irony of this practice for me, and it's a story I like to share because um, I'm a nutritionist. This is what I do for a living. And so when I have incorporated this into my diet, it tends to make it a bit easier for others. And it's the fact that I have learned over many, many years that most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, I feel spectacular if I've had a taste of something sweet for breakfast. Doesn't make sense on paper. It doesn't look uh, right on a meal plan or a food diary. It's not the high protein breakfast, and I use that in quotation marks, that's supposed to be the right one. Instead, I've learned that my body likes healthy starches and it likes a little bit of chocolate or a little bit of honey or a little bit of fruit. And when I have one of those, chocolate being my favorite of them, like one square will cut my sugar cravings for the whole day, will make me feel satisfied and will keep that breakfast um, feeling good in my body for four to five hours. Without it, I tend to crave more sugar. And so it's like, it's such a lovely way of just saying, okay, body, I get it. You like something sweet. Let me show you. I respect that right at the beginning of the day. Mm. Oh my goodness. And I just want to thank you for being so specific. And that's what, if you wouldn't mind, we'd like to ask a little bit more of you because I've said here before that the information out there around diets and food, it can be so incredibly overwhelming. And for me, having that personality of wanting to get it right, I start to worry about everything I'm putting in my mouth. Like, is, is this okay for me? Will this support me? And so you were very specific around breakfast. Would you mind just for you, and we acknowledge that we're all individuals, but what does a day of eating look like for you? What kinds of foods are you eating and when? And again, this is just for me, um, but it does show that there isn't perfection in my world, but I feel fantastic. Um, So my favorite breakfast, the breakfast that keeps me going the longest of anything else is two pieces of properly done sourdough. So like risen without yeast, just with a sourdough culture that feels best in my body with some organic butter because that feels best in my body and one slice with peanut butter on it. Uh, Lately, I've been doing half the second slice with um, cashew butter as well, and that little bit more um, uh, oomph has been really helping. Sometimes that doesn't feel good, and I'll do avocado toast instead. Um, What I've noticed, though, is that like the high-protein breakfast that's in style, like um, scrambled eggs with veggies um, and like all protein and, and veggies, I am hungry within an hour of that because it's just not working for me. A lot of people feel hungry after a smoothie, me too. Um, And so what we just want is something that feels good, that we enjoy, key point, that we enjoy, and then keeps you going until lunch. Um, So if breakfast is at seven, 
um, it should keep you until at least noon. So then lunch is always hard. Um, I str I've always struggled with lunch. Uh, if I am at Nature's Fair doing consults, I'll always eat there because they have an amazing bistro. But if I'm home, um, I, my favorite is leftovers. So today I had some leftover roasted sweet potatoes and potatoes. Um, and then I added some kale and some cashews to it. And it was spectacular. Um, it's now four and a half hours later. And I'm still feeling fantastic. Uh, sometimes instead I'll have um, leftovers from dinner is always my favorite. But if I'm really struggling, I'll have, that's when I'll have avocado toast with um, some cashew butter and some hemp seeds on top. And that usually, that's an easy, quick lunch that keeps me going. And then a common dinner in my world is a stir fry. Uh, I like it because I can prepare it in 20 minutes. I can do, I can prepare it in 20 minutes and wash all my dishes. And so that works in the life of Lisa. Um, I don't really do anything that takes more than 10 or 15 minutes to prepare. And I'm not a heavy recipe user. I have about four or five recipes. I'll pull out when I need them. But most of the time I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of cook. Doesn't work for everybody, but it's how I can eat healthy. And so it'll be like, I usually have um, broccoli and kale and some carrots, um, I'll, sometimes some, uh, some zucchini, and then protein-wise, I do have meat in my diet, so sometimes it'll be some uh, free-range chicken or some organic tempeh or just some beans and nuts, and all over white rice, which is actually more digestible and easier for our system than brown. Um, and that's my, that's usually my day. I'll always have a mid-afternoon snack, so around four, I'll have an apple or a square of chocolate. And that usually keeps me going all day. I love the simplicity of your diet. You're really showing our listeners that healthy eating doesn't have to be fancy or complicated, that it can be very simplified for all of us that live in this world and are on the go. Yes, it needs to be easy. It needs to be doable and, and you need to enjoy it. Otherwise, it's a diet that you're on. And the only end game to a diet that you're on is a diet that you're now off. <laughs> but real life healthy eating is something that you just do every day. And so for me, meal prep is not something that I enjoy doing. So to do it on a day-to-day -day basis isn't going to be doable for me. So instead, I have ways around it. Whereas other people I work with, they really love meal prep. They, they enjoy a Sunday afternoon where they make their lunches for the day because it makes them for the, next, for the rest of the week because they feel relaxed and happy that that's done. Um, other people love, my, like my sister loves recipe books. Her, her going to bed reading is recipe books and planning her family's meals. And I have many clients who, who enjoy doing that. Well, good for you, like just keep that going. Um, but we just need to find what works best for us. And you don't need to mirror somebody that you see eating healthy if their routine does not work for you. We just need to find the time, a bit of time to do some experimentation and find what works best for you. I really love how you keep using the word enjoy and how it's so important to enjoy what you're eating. And I'm taking some notes because as I've shared with our listeners, I'm about to leave for France and Italy for a month. And so I want to be able to enjoy the food that I'm sampling there. And I'm going to remember your words about taking the time to really notice how this is feeling in my body. And the other aspect of this is so many of us of this generation were clean your plate club kids, right? And that was sort of drilled into us to finish up. And I noticed that that's always a challenge for me. I'll notice that my body's feeling a little bit full, but you know, there's just that those few bites left and I'll, 
and I'll want to finish that. I'll feel compelled, but I'm going to give myself permission, even if it's the most delectable chocolate croissant, that if my blood sugar is starting to, you know, if I'm feeling that, that heartbeat that's beating a little faster, if I'm noticing in my body the effects of sugar that maybe don't feel so good, that I can, that I can stop. And you can save it for later. Mm. I've become a obnoxious person eating a cookie because it can take me two days. So if I get like a uh, coffee shop cookie, one of those big ones that are really sweet, I love them. Like it's like, it's a heavenly mouthful, but I don't like more than one mouthful at a time. And so I get it. And it's always in a to-go container, even if I'm sitting there for a while and um, I will eat a bite at a time. And over the course of one to two days, I finish this cookie, uh, but I get to enjoy every bite of that cookie. Every, like I get two days of heaven and bliss with this thing. It's amazing. Um, but it, it came from learning that if I eat the whole thing, I don't feel well. And so I, I have no, it doesn't take any willpower for me to stop because I've, I've registered in my body and my cells that eating it too much or too fast isn't going to feel well. And all you have to do is do it once and be really aware and present of when it happens um, before you start noticing like, nope, yep, this is enough. Let me eat another bite in an hour or two. I absolutely love that. And I love that it's not about willpower if you're really giving yourself a chance to honor what feels right and you don't want to feel unwell. And there's always another time that you can enjoy that. So I love that. And I'm going to make a mental note to remember that for sure. So Lisa, part of my history is severe burnout and adrenal fatigue. Do you have any tips for someone like me or our listeners who might be suffering from adrenal fatigue or burnout? I specialize um, both in difficult digestive issues as well as adrenal fatigue and burnout. And the reason I specialize in adrenal fatigue and burnout is I've been there too. Mm -hmm. uh, I, when I was so foggy, I forget what day of the week it was when I was in university was my first burnout. Um, I burnt out again in my first few years in business. And then I almost burnt out again a few years ago, but nipped it in the bud. Mm -hmm. And what I, my, my first important word for your listeners, is that if you're feeling the symptoms of burnout, so if you're feeling exhausted all day, if you're feeling foggy and tired, if you just simply aren't your normal you and, and the things that you used to love, you're not loving anymore, uh, if you're craving a lot of sugar, if you're craving a lot of salt, if you're struggling to sleep at night, um, if you spend the day in a giant fog and then wake up all of a sudden in the evening and raring to go, these are all signs of adrenal fatigue and they're also very common. Um, unfortunately, the rates of adrenal fatigue, at least of what I am seeing, is significantly higher today than it was 10 years ago when I was first in practice. Um, last year, I um, started a adrenal fatigue quiz at adrenalfatiguecode.com and it has 39 questions for adrenal fatigue. And when I put it together, I was expecting there'll be most people saying yes to the 10 to 15 questions, but to get to the 30, 35 to 40, um, like rating 35 to 40 is going to be very, very rare. Instead, I've had about 40 people, um, like I used to see one a year at that level. I got 40 emails um, at that level. I've also started getting two to three people a month in full on need to be on disability burnout um, versus one a year a couple of years ago. So it's just getting a lot worse and we do need to take time for ourselves. 
Um, we need to heal. Um, and, and the good news is, is that you can, if your energy is really, really low, if you're like a two out of 10 or a three out of 10, we can double that in a pretty short period of time. But then you need patience to bring it back to where it was. To get back to that eight or nine takes quite a lot of time. Um, but you absolutely can get there because I've been there and I've gotten back more than once. And I have worked with hundreds of people at this point to bring their energy back. Um, and it can be as little as just bringing in some high energy foods like fruits, um, some cooked vegetables, veggie juicing. They're all really good when you're really burnt out. Bringing in some ma magnesium, B vitamins, um, sometimes very specific adrenal supplements when necessary. Um, and these will help you feel better. The biggest thing I can say, um, the most important food is also the thing that you might feel guilt around. And that is if you are feeling huge salt cravings and you tend towards low blood pressure, then you need salt. You need enormous amounts of it. You need it in your water. You need it in your food. Just get a good quality sea salt or Himalayan salt and salt to your heart's content unless your doctor has advised you otherwise. Do listen to your doctor first. Um, but for most of us, we actually need quite a lot of it. And it's incredibly healing and incredibly medicinal uh, during adrenal burnout. I work with a cardiology group and so often the public thinks salt is the enemy. And I've even heard our cardiologists say, only for very specific people is salt the enemy, that, we, that it, it is a necessary you know, building block of our body. So thank you for putting that out there. And it's really true. I'm hearing that still all the time. But the research shows what your cardiologist shows that for some people, a small group of people, salt can be problematic. Um, but for everybody else, it's as important to your cells as potassium. And we would never restrict potassium. And one of the reasons why we have a government um, guideline on salt is because salt is high in processed food. They can't really say eat less processed food, so they say eat less salt. Instead, sea salt and unprocessed salts like Himalayan salt are incredibly beautiful and medicinal, and your cells need it. And you know that because your body is asking for it. It's demanding it. It desperately needs it. That was one of the tips that you offered to me when we were working together. And I've been doing that and actually having really great results too. So I can speak for salting my water, one thing you said to me is if your body needs it, it's going to taste really good to you. It's going to taste like the most refreshing glass of water that you've ever had. And I do find that's the case. And if your body doesn't need it, then it's going to taste like really awful and too salty. So I do want to thank you for that. And I can um, vouch for you there. And then the other topic that you and I discussed, I'm 47 years old and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to notice some changes hormonally. And that's another role that you can play in your client's life is helping um, out with hormonal balance through nutrition. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it, depending on where your hormones are at, there, there is power in food. Sometimes there's also power in a natural path where a natural path can do a bit better testing than your doctor can. Um, they're just brilliant at hormones. Um, but there is still quite a lot you can do to just help your hormone balance um, with your diet. Um, things like bringing in chia seeds and chia pudding, they're really good for your gut, um, but they also feed bacteria that helps um, pull out excess estrogen. And too much estrogen and not enough progesterone can be a cause of some perimenopausal symptoms. Your adrenals and adrenal fatigue is, absolutely plays a role here too. Um, there's also practices call, um, called seed cycling where you use um, different seeds with different um, phytohormones like phytoestrogens and um, some plant-based progesterone at different times in the month that can help um, calm down certain symptoms. 
But the biggest thing is, is taking care of your gut and making sure your liver is as happy as possible and managing stress diet wise and lifestyle wise. Those can make the biggest difference as our hormones change. I'm in my early forties. I'm already starting to feel some shifting. And so it's, it's the time to really take care of ourselves and get our health as a priority. So that way we can ease through this change in life like our grandmothers did. The word perimenopause is new to our lexicon because we didn't need it until the last two generations. So it's time to kind of go back to how we used to be where this was just an easy transition. This is a new thing in our culture that are, there are whole cultures around the world that don't suffer with these symptoms the way that we do. And, and it's very culturally ingrained in us that we have to do more, be more, make more, and then eat less, nourish ourselves less, and in one hundred percent agreement that that this perimenopause and how we're suffering now is such a new thing. It's so new that recently I wrote an art a blog post on uh, perimenopause and adrenal fatigue that connection. And every time I wrote the word perimenopause, my word document and my um, my web page all kept saying this is not a word. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lisa, we put a call out to our listeners when we knew that we were going to be coming onto our podcast with some of their questions around food and eating and nutrition. So here are some of those for you here. Um, the first one that came in was one of our listeners wanted to know about healthy meal planning for one. It's a great question because many people really struggle saying, it's really hard to cook for for yourself. And it's true. I also, I lived alone. I've lived alone for large sections of my adulthood um, until very recently. I've, I've been living alone for four years and it takes a bit of time to get into a groove, but you absolutely can do it. And the best part of meal planning for one is you always have leftovers. So the biggest thing is to always be cooking for two, eat one, have one for lunch or dinner the next day. So you don't have to cook every day really learn and notice what you like to eat. It's a beautiful time to get to know your body and your likes and dislikes, what, what feels good to you. There's no other influence. And that's a rare time in our life when there's no other influence. And it's wonderful to be able to really find balance. Um, I have always found that the times I live alone are a great time for healing, for deep healing, because I can really fuel and feed my body as well as possible. And the last one is to, to, you have to work on grocery shopping to make sure that you are buying enough for yourself and not too much because then you have a fridge full of rotting vegetables, which I've had more than once in my life. Um, actually many more times than once. I'm terrible at cleaning out the fridge. And so, uh, just making sure that you're buying um, of a different a variety. You're not just take, buying exactly the same food week after week. And a little trick that I do uh, to make sure of that is that for a couple months a year, I usually try to do this like January, February, when I'm getting into huge winter ruts, is I'll buy one new vegetable or one new fruit each week for like six to eight weeks. And I find that it's a bit of a challenge. I have to learn how to cook it, um, but I get to try it out. And out of that, usually one or two stick every year. And it's increased the variety of my diet um, enormously just from doing it even just for a couple of years. And um, that, that I find really, really helpful. So it's really just about making sure that you're always cooking for two whenever possible, um, always have leftovers and a big batch of stew or a big batch of soup, especially in the fall and winter, can live in your 
freezer and you can have a bunch of really quick meals. It can make it life so much easier. Such great advice. One of the trends it seems like going on right now or the popular diet is the keto diet. Do you have any thoughts on the keto diet? Other than a giant, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the keto diet is a frustration of mine. Um, so generally I see the diet fads come and go and I'm not too worried about them. Paleo, it works really well for certain people. Um, all of these are, are at least nutritionally balanced enough that as long as people are um, eating well and enjoying it, there's no harm. Keto um, which is a very high fat diet. It's 60 to 80% fat, uh, 10% carbohydrates and 10 to 20% protein. And um, a little known fact about carbohydrates, because they're so vilified, we miss the point that carbohydrates are actually, especially all the vegetables, are very high in nutrients. So when we, when we reduce our car carbohydrate intake to such a low amount, we, we become very deficient in nutrients. The other issue with the keto diet um, is that we, we are also lacking in plant-based fiber. And without feeding our gut bacteria this plant-based fiber, within seven days, we can start having measurable changes in our gut bacteria. Most of it is we start losing gut bacteria. And when we have low diversity in our gut bacteria, we have higher bigger issues that can come out. There's a connection to our metabolism and that um, people who are struggle to lose weight tend to have low levels of bacteria in their gut. It can affect our immune system and it even can help uh, affect our mental health. So I want everybody, if you're interested in the ketogenic diet, to really go in with your eyes wide open, fully understand the pros and cons of it before walking in and make sure you're taking a multivitamin to at least kind of balance out the deficiencies. It won't balance out all of them, but it's a start. The ketogenic diet is in itself a medicinal therapeutic diet um, for, it was originally for epilepsy. There is some research on it helping very aggressive brain tumors called glioblastomas. That's what it's for. It's not for everybody. It's not for an everyday diet. And there is no culture and no community and no research on the long-term effects of the ketogenic diet. Therefore, I always stress, be very aware of what you're doing before you walk in. And maybe there's another option that will give you the results you're looking for, but keep your body in better balance. Another question that came in is a listener wanted to know about going vegan and what essential plant-based foods to incorporate and are supplements important? That's a really good question. So the vegan diet is a very popular one. And for some people, it works beautifully. There are some people that, that they're, just their body constitution and their digestive prowess aren't able to fully take in all of the protein and nutrients needed on the vegan diet. So just keep an open mind. Um, and you may be better with slight vegetarian side or flexitarian side, but, but yes, absolutely try the vegan diet and um, see how it feels. The important thing is um, vegan foods aren't always the healthier options. So there's a lot of junk food, vegan foods. Um, make sure you're taking in lots of plant-based fibers and nutrients. So you're getting lots of fruits and vegetables, beans, nuts, and whole grains. And then a very important part of the vegan diet is, is protein combining. 
there's very few full um, whole proteins in the vegan diet, complete proteins in the vegan diet. And that means they have every amino acid that the body needs, the essential ones on a day-to-day basis. Um, Any animal-based food, including dairy and eggs, are all complete proteins. So it's only the vegan diet that we have to worry about. So some protein powders can be a great source of complete protein, um, but as a general rule in your diet, you want um, the amino acids that come out of beans every day and the amino acids that comes out of nuts, seeds, and or uh, whole grains every day. So there's two sides, there's the bean side and the nuts, seeds, and whole grains. So just make sure you're getting both in every day and there you're setting your body up well for proper protein utilization. One um, supplement to consider is B12. Um, B12 deficiencies take a long time to come out, so you don't have to worry about it right away. Uh, but, But B12 is a hard nutrient to absorb for all of us. Most seniors need B12 as well. I see B12 deficiencies in vegetarian and omnivores all the time. So it's not just vegans that are deficient in B12, but the vegan diet is inherently deficient in B12. Um, There's very few absorbable forms. So considering a B12 supplement um, and or just getting tested regularly, it's a blood test you can get from your doctor and just keep an eye on your levels. But I'd say that for all of us, keep an eye on your B12 levels. Many of us are deficient and we just don't know it. But that's the vegan diet in a nutshell. Lots and lots and lots of fruits and vegetables. Eat tons and tons of whole grains and nuts and seeds and beans and you'll be good. So Lisa, one of the pillars of health in Ayurveda is the health of our digestive system. Can you speak to our listeners about what they can do with nutrition to help regulate their digestion? Absolutely. I I have spent 10 years working with very severe digestive issues, um, issues where people struggle to leave the house because of their digestion. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I just like to say when it comes to digestion is that um, any digestive symptoms are signs of indigestion. And that just means that your, your food isn't being broken down properly. Our digestive system does this amazing process of taking the food we eat and breaking it down into the nutrients we need. It's unbelievably amazing. And when that system breaks down, it will show you in mild signs like um, maybe a bit of acid reflux or bloating or burping or gas or a bit of irregularity. And then it just gets worse until we pay attention. So pay attention early. And the nicest thing we can do for our digestive system is also the hardest thing I give any client, and it is be relaxed on eating, chew your food well, and very little liquids with meals. You, you, if you master those three steps, your digestion will be enormously better. Um, for m- many, many people, it will solve all indigestion symptoms. Those are, those are Ayurvedic tips for healthy eating right there. Mm-hmm. There are reason, uh, traditional um, methods and traditional ideas uh, have longevity. They've kept, Ayurvedic principles have kept people healthy for 5,000 years. It's not surprising that they work uh-huh. really well. And so simple and so accessible for anybody. Absolutely. And, but as a culture, we're not taught that. So we frequently get the digestive habits of our family. So if our family are fast eaters, we become a fast eater. Most women, when they have small kids, become uh, eat really quickly because they have to. And I spend a lot of time with women, with teenagers or um, kids out of the house, just teaching them how to eat and enjoy their food again because it's been so long since they could put that energy and um, prioritize 
their eating. It's, it's, it's usually been decades. Um, and it just, the better we assimilate and chew our food, the better our intestinal tract can break it down. It really makes a huge difference. So good. So it's pretty clear that the other part of your career is that you do a lot of public speaking. You are a very knowledgeable speaker, Lisa. It's just been a joy to listen to you. You've done a TED Talk and our listeners can find a link to that on your beautiful website and we'll put all of that in the show notes. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that side of what you do because you're also very confident as a speaker and I know that you talk in front of crowds quite often. You're putting on workshops a lot. Um, what are your tools for feeling confident in that arena? And if you, if you would, I'd love for you to walk us through the journey of really stepping into your light when it comes to the role you play in your career. I actually, some of it I lucked into a little bit. Um, I'm, my undergrad was performance music. So be, being a performer has always come naturally to me. But being in the music industry, being in the classical music industry also made me very sick. So I needed to move away from that. But I really missed the the stage. I really miss just being up in front of people. When I moved out to BC to the Okanagan Valley from Ontario, I needed to advertise my business and I had absolutely no money. I had less than no money. I was, I had $20 for groceries a week if I was lucky and I needed to find a way to spread my message. And I found fairly quickly that uh, a lot of people were looking for nutrition speakers and all of the um, rotaries and lions and all of these places were always looking for speakers. And so I took every talk I could get my hands on. One year I did 160 plus talks. And I was able to really see how fun it was to share this information. I learned that I feel very comfortable on stage. Um, it is, it's kind of who I am. I'm very, very introverted, but I lose it when I'm, when I'm in front of people. And I like to remind people that because a lot of people ask me right before I get on stage, like, how do you do this? I'm like, I was just born this way. It's just who I am. <laughs> and that's, it's okay if it's not you. And, um, but I still spend a few minutes before every single talk wondering why the heck I'm doing this. Um, I get the nervous, I get the butterflies like everybody else. And a few things that I've done to find balance in that, um, the biggest one is meditation. I, when I, once I brought meditation into my life, I was able to tap into the calm space incredibly fast and easily. And I noticed the biggest um, benefit was the, right before a talk. I could get grounded, I could get still, and I could get my thoughts in order so I don't walk up on stage as a hurricane because I am aerobatically, I have a lot of Vata in me, and I can be a hurricane. I've been at hurricane many times in a talk. And that doesn't help anybody. So I spend a few minutes grounding myself. Um, I eat very specifically um, the day before a talk. Um, I eat a lot of grounded root vegetables, and it lets my thoughts be a bit more straight instead of, uh, again, the hurricane. And so I'm, I really wa uh, work to ground myself in every way possible, especially with the food that I eat. Um, and then I, I have a little trick that I, I learned a handful of years ago, I started playing um, with a, the local symphony, the Okanagan Symphony, and it was really wonderful bringing music back into my life. I, I love playing music. It was like getting an arm back. I was like a part of me had been missing for 15 years. But I also 
have a lot of trauma from my years of being a music student and it was coming back in all of the rehearsals and the concerts and I was having panic attacks. I was collapsing, like uh, emotionally collapsing on stage. And when, you, when you're a wind player, I'm a flute player and a piccolo player. There's only one person playing this piece, this, this, this music. And if I don't play these notes, they don't exist in the piece. And so there's a lot of pressure and it was really stressful. And I found just through Googling, um, this little herb called passion flower and passion flower lets me, and it's not right for everybody, but it lets me calm myself down and get back into my heart. It gets me out of my head. And so I always use it with symphony. Um, it lets me make a mistake and be able to get back into it, which I wasn't able to do before that. Um, but I also use it for my talks to keep me grounded and keep my, my energy lower. Because I have a really weird uh, Lisa-ism, which is um, I am best as a speaker if I'm tired walking in. So a lot of the sales reps I tour with or different people in the stores, they're always worried when I'm yawning because I might not have an, a, enough energy. I'm like, no, no, no. I get so much energy from the crowd. I need to walk up tired. And the passion flower lets me get into that lower state. So that way when I get in front of people, I can, I can feel their energy without being overwhelming to them. So much wisdom in all that you've shared today. Lisa, I just want to thank you for everything that you've offered to us and to our listeners. How can our listeners work with you? How can they find you? There's a few ways. Um, I do do one-on-one -on -one consults, um, both online as well as if you happen to be in the Okanagan, I do have two offices in the Valley. Um, and my website is lisakilgore.com. And then I am right in the, in the midst of launching my very first membership site, Your Beautiful Life. It's real life, healthy living made easy. And everything we've talked about today about how to create real healthy living inside your life in the easiest way possible will be a part of this membership site. And so if you're interested in that, it's uh, my website, lisakilgore.com forward slash your beautiful life. And you can check out that um, all the on all the information on that. Yeah, you'll be launching that in just a couple of weeks on June 1st, and we will put all of that information on the show notes so that people can um, learn more about this subscription service. And because you mentioned the importance of meditation, um, I might offer that there's some meditations that are going to be a part of that course by yours truly. So we've got two Lisa's <laughs> working I, together now. <laughs> I was about to say, you'll see a familiar face on the membership site because I'm so grateful that you've offered these meditations. They're beautiful. They're so wonderful. And they're going to help my, my members just get a taste of meditation and, and or expand their practice. I'm really excited to have them there too. Well, you've made it pretty clear that it's not just about both of you have made this very clear to me that it isn't about what you're eating. It is how you're eating and the importance of sitting down and being relaxed and taking a few deep breaths to get yourself in a state of receptivity so we can actually be listening to our body and feeling what our food feels like. So I am looking so forward to getting my hands on um, all of the new material that you're offering to your clients and to our listeners as well. And thank you so much for having me on today. I, I'm so happy to be a part of such a wonderful podcast, sharing such a beautiful message. We all can create these beautiful lives um, inside our life and just by be reconnecting with ourselves and our bodies and our heart and really feeling it all out. It's, it's just so lovely. Such a pleasure, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here and for everything that you've shared. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. All right. So I think we reconvene on Friday, 
June 14th. Reach out to us in the meantime. Uh, you can probably watch our Instagram stories to hear and see my French and Italian adventures. And I'm sure you'll be posting all about your new yoga studio in Columbus. Yeah, I will. I will. I'm so excited. So June 1st, the Radiant Yoga and Wellness Studio opens for business and follow us along at Amy Pruitt on Instagram and at Lisa Dumas Yoga for me. And we'll see you soon. All right. Enjoy. Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.